Hello and welcome. Do you have rose devotion? Are you devoted to roses? Well, today's guest is Marcy Martin. She's the Rosarian at Elizabeth Park Rose Garden. She's also the president of the Connecticut Rose Society, and she is a rosophile. And we're going to talk about some of the 15,000 rose bushes in Hartford, Connecticut. And we're going to talk about some roses that you might be interested in growing in your garden from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Hello and welcome. It's Ken Drews, and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, the Garden Show. I'm here every week, either on your computer, on the radio, on WHDD FM, and uh, you might be listening in your car or you're listening through your iPod because you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes and just go to KenDrewsRealDirt.com to find out all about that. And you might already be there because that might be how you're listening to today's show. And on today's show, we're going to talk about roses. We're going to talk about the Elizabeth Park Rose Garden. And we're speaking with Marcy Martin, who is the Rosarian there. And if you know me, you know that I am interested in, well, I'm interested in roses. I'm interested in roses that survive. The roses that I grow in my garden or have grown in my garden that are susceptible to disease, well, they're just not there anymore. That's how we know the roses that do very well for me. But I'm also, I'm so into fragrance. I'm so into the perfume of plants, the smell of lavender, the smell of jasmine, the smell of datura, the smell of, uh, oh, gee, the wintergreen smell of birch bark. Things like that. Betula lenta, sweet birch. That used to be used for making birch beer. I just love to smell all plants. I can hardly resist it. Scented geraniums. And I love the smell of roses. But as you may know, roses don't all smell. You know, you see someone on television, they get a a dozen red long stem roses and they immediately bring it up to their nose and deeply inhale and go, ah, thank you, dear. Thank you, darling. But, you know... Roses like that don't smell anymore because as part of the breeding for disease resistance, roses have, many roses have lost their fragrance, but there are some fragrant roses out there. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about with Marcy Martin, among many other wonderful things about roses. Today, I'm speaking with Marcy Martin, who is the president of the Connecticut Rose Society, a master rosarian with the American Rose Society, and also the rosarian at Elizabeth Park. And a lot of people around the country may not know that Elizabeth Park has a rose garden, which I think might be the oldest rose garden in the country. It is the oldest rose garden in the country. We opened to the public in 1904. We're the oldest municipal rose garden. Mm -hmm. The garden's located, I I think, on the border of Hartford and West Hartford. Boy, you've done your homework, Ken. That's really good. (laughs) Actually, the park was once the estate of Charles and Elizabeth Pont, and it started out as 96 acres in a very, very lush area of um, West Hartford, just across the border in West Hartford, and Charles inherited the property from his dad in 1867, just after the Civil War and uh, with a codicil on it that he could never sell the property. 
So he and Elizabeth built a 20-room, three-story stone mansion with porticos on all four compass points and proceeded to be wealthy Victorian folks who got that famous Persian carpet and replicated the garden out in front of the house. It was a big competition back then to have the fanciest garden out in front of your house that mm. resembled a, a, a Turkish rug. So um, Charles raised racehorses. And where our Rose Garden now is, that's where the racetrack was, which, uh, and if any of your listeners know anything about roses, roses just love horse poop. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a tremendous place to build a Rose Garden. Um, when Charles and Elizabeth passed away because he couldn't sell the property, he left his property to the city of Hartford to be, um, to be used as a botanical park named after his beloved wife, Elizabeth, and that's how we got Elizabeth Park. And there's a whole lot of drama involved with this, too, which we won't get into right now, but, uh, but um, the city of Hartford hired Theodore Wirth to come in and design the garden. Theodore Wirth was a Swiss, born, raised, and educated landscape architect who studied at Kew Gardens and then with Frederick Law Olmsted out on a project on Long Island before he designed our Rose Garden at Elizabeth Park. So it, it's really a wonderful place to visit. We have about 650 different varieties of roses, and all told, there's just about 15,000 of them. Incredible. Although I haven't counted them lately. <laughs> well, and they, and they come and go, as we know, and there's, there's always new ones to add. That's and right. And sometimes uh, roses don't always, you know, return after the winter or something else gets them. But uh, usually, luckily today, there are so many people who are who love the old roses and the antique roses and the new roses and the new ones coming out. But you can almost find, I can't say you can find every old rose, but you can find a lot of old roses. There are a lot of people who are keeping those roses alive, which I'm, I'm thrilled about because there are wonderful roses that were popular once that we still can find and grow. That's right. That's absolutely right. We're in the process of rebuilding the Heritage Garden at Elizabeth Park, which nobody ever really knew that it wasn't a historic garden. People just figured it was a historic garden. It's off the beaten path. It's behind a copse of trees. And uh, actually, it turns out that after doing a lot of digging around and finding the original blueprints for that garden, it was built in 1938 as a test garden. And a lot of the roses that were still in there were from 1938. And then my predecessor, over the years, added some old garden roses to it. So we salvaged what we could. Some of them are healed in. I have about half of them in gigantic containers growing in my yard. And the project um, chief is Allie White, and she's got the other half growing in her yard in Canton. <laughs> so we're waiting for the construction to be complete. And this is all being paid for by the Connecticut Valley Garden Club, who is coming up on their 100th anniversary, and this is their birthday present to themselves. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, you said heritage, and we say old roses, heritage roses, antique roses. Can you tell me what these names mean? Is there Are there specific things or specific dates that denote the old roses or the antiques? Or are they all the same? Is, is there a well, difference? There is a difference. And I think um, if you want to group all the OGRs, old garden roses, also known as ogres, <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to group them all together, you can call them all antique roses. But true heritage roses are pre-18... 
57 when uh, La France came out. La France was the first mo what's considered modern hybrid tea. So pre-La France are the real old garden roses. Then you've got your antique roses, and, and some of them are still readily available, and there are places you can get them. Thank goodness for computers. You just Google, you know, if there's a rose that you want, you just type in Rosa, and then whatever the name is, and chances are you're going to find it. As Rosarian of Elizabeth Park, Marcy, what are some, some of your duties? Well, let's see. I have two inches of callus on both knees from all the begging <laughs> that I have to do. Oh, the begging, not just the digging. No, begging. No, no. For digging, I have knee pads, but for drama purposes, when I'm begging stuff, I don't put those on. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm a... a contract employee to the Friends of Elizabeth Park, which is a nonprofit organization which helps to support the park. And there goes the train, but we can't hear it because I'm downstairs where it's cool. Um, anyway, uh, the Friends of Elizabeth Park formed back in the early 1970s, and actually it was the mid-1970s because the city of Hartford could no longer... Um, afford to maintain the gardens and they were going to plow the gardens under. Oh, no. And there were a group of people that got together. Actually, it was the Connecticut Valley Garden Club and specifically a gal named Nancy Mixter, whom she is still in my life and I love her dearly and she's just a wonderful lady. And they stood across the driveway to the park and said, you will plow this under over my dead body. Oh my and that's how the Friends of Elizabeth Park was formed. Nancy was one of the founders of Friends of Elizabeth, and the whole idea was so that this would never happen again, so the roses would be well taken care of, so that you know somebody would come up with the money that the city did not have to maintain the park. And used to be, um, we have all told 102 acres at Elizabeth Park. And used to be there were 100 gardeners that worked there, but because of the economy at this point, I have three people. Oh, my goodness. Three people. So, and um, I'm working on hopefully finding a grant to help us put in a new watering system. Some of our watering system has been in the ground since the park was built over 100 years ago. So we have leaky pipes and stuff like that, and our, our watering system's kind of insufficient, so you asked me about my duties, is pretty much to take care of everything and make sure that things look good, and I coordinate the, the spray material with the fellows that do the spraying for us, who are wonderful guys, it's the Brothers Landscaping Company, and they come in and they spray the gardens after dark, because we are not a sustainable garden. Mm. Um, anyway... This year, because we haven't had any rain, last summer all it did was rain. I think it rained 27 out of 30 days last June. It also rained in April. It rained in May. It rained in July. It was a cold, dark year. It was the worst gardening year I ever saw in my whole life. But the foliage was so big and lush and yeah. it's because it, it had a ton of moisture. Same thing as the year before we had a lot of rain. But this year we've been kind of starved for moisture in our watering system is weeping hoses uh -huh. in, the, in the beds. And roses are deep-rooted, thirsty plants, and they just were not getting enough water. So Friends of Elizabeth um, hires two folks, Juan and Rosa. They have a plantation in Puerto Rico where they grow coffee in the wintertime. 
but in the summertime they come up here and they work in the park with us and I bought them each hoses and brought them watering wands from home and we have been out there watering by hand and that's a lot oh, of watering. And it's been very very hot. I'm speaking with Marcy Martin who is the Rosarian at Elizabeth Park Rose Garden and we'll be right back. You're listening to Ken Drews on Ken Drews Hill Dirt. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Thank you for staying with us. It's Ken Drews, and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, and my guest today is Marcy Martin, Rosarian at Elizabeth Park in Hartford, Connecticut, and also a, well, the president of the Connecticut Rose Society and a master rosarian with the American Rose Society. And Marcy was telling us about something that we hear more and more about all gardens. We're all stressed for attention. We're all stressed for money. All the gardens are, are stressed for the things that gardens really need. And unfortunately, gardens are among the things that seem to get cut first from a lot of budgets. But, uh, Marcy, I, I have to hear a little bit about your your vic- Victorian outfit <laughs> and the tours that you give. Uh, well, when I became mistress of this Victorian garden, I decided that I would like to dress the part when I take people on garden tours, especially during the month of June. And after this year, last year a lot of garden tours got cancel because of all the rain, but uh, this year I really felt that I should have just pitched a tent in the middle of the garden and stayed there for the whole month. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so busy, but um, my feeling is that I want people, when when they come to the garden for a public garden tour, I want them to come and enjoy and and be impressed and come back often and always remember that we are there for you. I mean, even where you are in New Jersey, Ken, we are there for you. We want you to come, and we want you to enjoy our pastoral park um, and enjoy the roses, and the public just loves this. When I show up in costume, I have all these little girls who say to me, I want to dress up just like you when I grow up, and and it's just fun. I love dressing up anyway. I guess I'm a bit of a drama queen. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a big floppy hat and a parasol? I have a big floppy hat that's got great big cabbage roses on it and feathers and netting and you name it, and a parasol and spool-heeled high lace-up boots and a big crinoline so that I feel like I'm floating across the lawn. And uh, I have a pink dress, which I believe you've seen, and also a pure white dress that's just plain lovely. So at least I have a change of clothes now. And a fan. (laughs) You carry a fan, I hope. I carry a fan as well. Yep, I carry a fan as well. And like I said, the public loves it, and I love it. But this has been a very hot year, and I do understand why the Victorian ladies did get the vapors on really hot days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yep. we only have a few minutes left, but I'd love to hear about... Uh, it's hard to have favorites, because they're all so wonderful, but I, I I know that there must be some special roses among your collection at home and also in the in the park that, that means something special to you. Well, what are some of your favorite colors? Do you, 
do you tend to lean in one direction or another? Well, I I love the pink roses, and my current favorite rose is a Tom Carruth creation from Weeks Roses, and it's called Falling in Love. And Falling in Love is just a beautiful, classic, hybrid tea that's a, a very soft pink with a lighter pink reverse. It's very, very fragrant, and I just swoon every time I see it. I have two of them in my gardens at home, and I did plant a bed of them at the park, and I was lucky enough as a double ARS test garden judge to see this rose before it ever had a name and evaluate it for two years. So it's really a great rose. And her parents are Marilyn Monroe, which is another really favorite rose, beautiful, beautiful form and a lovely apricot color. And the other parent is Moonstone. And both of those are exhibition roses, but neither one is fragrant. And for some reason, Falling in Love is just delightfully fragrant. So she's my favorite. Well, that's a wonderful thing about the work that Tom Caruth as a breeder has done, because he try he has been trying to get the scent back into roses, which is terrific. Yep. Well, it's, yeah, Tom, and also Keith Zeri from, uh, from Jackson and Perkins. You know, there are a lot of rosarians out there that just don't care about fragrance at all. Yeah. There's a whole segment of them that are called exhibitors, and they're very fiercely competitive. And they like to go to all these rose shows all over the country and every different district and all these different states, and they've got their whole packing thing down pat and fly out all over the place to win that coveted queen title, and all they care about is form and substance, and they don't give a hoot about fragrance. But then there are a bunch of rosarians like me who, you know, I used to always bring my roses to work, and I worked for a hospital, so they made the patients really happy. And if someone puts their nose in a rose and there's no fragrance, there's something wrong with it. So right. we, we started complaining, and they are really working on it, and it's a difficult job because... Fragrance and the propensity for disease, genetically speaking, go hand in hand. Right, right. So, so if you're going to have fragrant roses, it's a good idea to spray. And there's a whole lot of people out there that just really don't want to spray anymore. Yeah. And so, they also want, they want the blooms to be continuous. They want constant bloom every minute to have, well, we, right. we would say flush after flush, but the people don't even often realize that there is such a thing as a flush. And they just think, oh, well, every rose should be knockout. Yeah, well, you know what? There's not, Knockout's a great rose, and uh, Knockout has sported for Bill Radler seven times. Several times you know what a sport is, right? Mm -hmm. Botanical accident where the, the stem looks the same, the bud looks the same, but when it opens, it's a completely different color. Woohoo! that's a big deal for the <laughs> hybridizer. Yeah. It's another chance to, you know, you grow up for a while to see if it reverts, but it's another chance to get a rose out there on the market quick and get your 17 cents a rose and get rich really quick. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, the, the knockouts are good, but there's another guy out there that worked for Bailey's Nurseries for years and years. His name is Ping Lim, and, and I think he put himself out of a job because he was so prolific that Bailey's has roses to introduce for the next 20 years, and they didn't need him anymore. No. So now he's out. He's bought himself a farm out in Oregon. He's continuing his work, and eventually we'll be able to buy directly from him. His name is Ping Lim, and his roses, he has bred black spot and powdery mildew out of his roses. He actually inoculates his seedlings with disease and has 
worked it out through his hybridizing technique. Wow. I don't know how that works, but look for Easy Elegance Roses, and specifically his Radler's roses are great. The knockouts are great, and I was the rosarian at a, a garden center for five years, and people used to come up to me and say, I want the same roses that they plant at the mall because I know <laughs> nobody does anything to them, and they always look great. Right. So those are the Radler roses. To me, they look like rose foliage with dogwood blooms on them. Mm-hmm. And I want, I'm a nut for form. So I want a rose that looks like a rose you got to see Pink's Roses. They have names like My Hero, Superhero, Centennial, Grandma's Blessing, Kiss Me, um, <laughs> Yellow Brick Road, uh, Yellow Submarine. They are all beautiful, and they all look like roses. Even the ones that are single roses, like the Rattler Roses, when they're in the bud phase, they look like a real rose. And the foliage is big and full, and he would take his roses after he hybridized them, and plant them out in Minnesota in the middle of the prairie. And if anybody, if your listening audience knows anything about growing roses in Minnesota, you have to be. I mean, all rosarians are passionate, and we all love our roses, and we're all kind of lunatics about our roses, but you have to be a real lunatic to grow roses in Minnesota. They practice the Minnesota tip, which is digging a trench next to your rose, digging up half the roots, and laying the rose right. down and burying it burying for the it. winter. That's like way too much trouble for me. Well, Marcy, you know, we're going to have to talk again because there's so much that you've told me and I, I want to hear more, but I love that you we talked about the old roses, the antique roses, and we're talking about the future too. Right. And I'm going to look for those easy elegance roses, and I hope that we get a chance to talk again, and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, I would love that, Ken, and thanks for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. You've been listening to my guest and me. My guest was Marcy Martin, and I am Ken Drews. I'm your host for Ken Drews Real Dirt every week. And I was talking to Marcy about the Elizabeth Park Rose Garden in Hartford, Connecticut. They have some 15,000 rose bushes and 600 varieties, and they are restoring the Heritage Rose Garden there. So they had to dig up all the old rose plants that were there, put them in pots, and move them to a couple of people's gardens to keep them over. And they planned to do that at a good time because you can move roses. And so on a March day, they dug up the the roses and they put them in a truck to take them to different people's gardens. But uh, it was over 90 degrees on that March day this year in 2010. And then they put them in an open flatbed truck and the poor things were driven in the wind and they lost all their leaves and they are coming back. They're they're surviving. They are the old roses. And a lot of the old roses, those bred before the introduction of La France, we were hearing about that in the 1850s, the first hybrid tea rose, when the tea roses from China were, were mixed with, hybridized with the European roses, and came up with the hybrid teas that so many people love today. But those old heritage roses, those antiques, they have some wonderful characteristics. And among them are, well, they're sturdy. They're sturdy shrubs. They're often disease-resistant. They don't rebloom for the most part. They have one big flush of, of bloom in the spring that lasts quite a long time, almost the whole month. And they are fragrant. They are deliciously fragrant. They also don't have the color yellow because that came from the China roses. When the China roses were introduced into the breeding programs way back in the 1800s, 
but fragrance to me is very important and a nice sturdy plant is very important and if you listen to the show you know that I there's some old roses that I love I'd like to get some more of those those old guys okay they don't rebloom but well you know actually I think I'd like some more of everything and I'd like to try some of those new disease resistant roses and I'm always into the roses that Tom Caruth produces uh, for Weeks Roses in uh, Southern California because he he was one of the first people to bring fragrance back and he introduced a rose called Sentimental, S-C-E-N-T, Sentimental. And that was a striped rose, peppermint striped, red and white, but it had fragrance. So he's working on that. I have a wonderful new one called Night Owl, a dark purple and lovely scent, fruit, tea, and anise. Tune in next week for another edition of Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. <laughs> 